And you, know, you just know in your spirit that God's doing something and nothing goes right. Have you ever encountered that? When you know God's doing something and he told you to do something, but nothing in that day or that moment is going right. Well, that's kind of the day that we're having right now, right? So I want to apologize about this much to you before we even get started, all right? So will you accept this much of an apology from me? We are gonna do something that at least I've never done before in all my days of going to church. And I've been going to church since I was like 12 years old. I'm about to be 50 something. I'll let you figure the rest of it out. So I've been going to church a long time, right? And we've always done church the same way. Man, I can't remember, for the most part, you understand what I'm saying? We came in, how many of you came in this morning? Obviously, everybody's hand should be raised. You walk through those doors, right? But when you walk through, did you have any level of expectation of what was about to happen today? Or did you just walk in? And you don't need to answer me, you can leave that and you can answer that yourself. By the way, I've done both myself. I've walked in with no expectation, then I've walked in at times with expectation. But I always walked in, kind of said hello to everybody, greeted everybody, the typical, how you doing? Great to see you, are you new? Yada, yada, yada. Somebody gets up, they open up the service, we sing a few songs, we have a sermon, and then we go home in some sort of time frame, right? Depending on the pastor, length of windiness, it's sooner or later, right? But God this week, or actually over the last couple weeks, has asked me to do something, and I fought him tooth and nail. I'm like, I don't want to do that. God, I don't want to do that. And he says, I want you to do this this morning. And it's not because we are doing anything wrong here at New Life. Does everybody understand that? The reason that we're doing this isn't because we're doing anything wrong. The fact is, is we say out of our lips all the time, though, we want to see the Holy Spirit move in here, right? And we cannot, as humans, as much as we attempt to try to constrain God in a box, because he will not be held within that box. We think, we only think that we're limiting when we do that, but we're really not. So what he's asked of me this morning is to do church backwards. Hey, that's about what I expected. <laughs> Thank you, whoever is clapping right now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't know how much I need. I'm not here for the applause. I'm not, but the clapping helps my nervousness a little bit, like, okay, I'm at least connecting with one person. But we're gonna do church a little backwards today. We're not gonna sing until the end. Woo, all right? We're not gonna sing to the end. It's okay to clap if you want. You don't have to clap again. But listen to me, there's a reason why. I really just been feeling in my heart to share a little bit about worship, right? But I thought, man, God, if I do that at the end, we have no time to do it, because we already did it. Then we get instruction and then we go home. And by the time we get back here next week, God, will they have remembered it? I can't answer that question. Only you can answer the question whether you would have remembered, right, the revelation that would have came that empowered you to do it. So today we're doing it backwards. Everybody say, hallelujah. hallelujah. I know you're excited. Some of you are wondering about your pot roast. I promise you it's okay. Your pot roast is gonna be fine and Cracker Barrel will probably have plenty uh, if they don't get to your table and you order it and they say we're out of it. I'm sorry. But we're gonna do it backwards today. So the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna do what we would normally do when we release our children. We're gonna release our children right now down to junior church. So if all the kids wanna come up here, right up the front, 
it's okay, all the teachers have been warned and notified, and here's what's gonna happen though. When we're done with this little bit of exhortation and teaching this morning, we're gonna bring our children back up, right? We're not gonna leave them down there the whole time. That wouldn't be fair to Sister Belinda, right? <laughs> to leave them down there. But also, part of the reason is I want our kids to experience worship, and I want them to experience whatever revelation that the Holy Spirit blows through this place this morning in and through the parents, right? They're onlookers and they're looking upon us, and how many are thankful for all these children? Amen. I love this right now, like the sweetest thing right now, this brother and sister holding on to each other. The only reason I know these are my grandchildren, and they're usually pummeling each other. So God, I thank you right now, God, for these beautiful children. And I thank you, God, for what you're not only gonna do in our midst today, but I thank you, God, for what you're gonna do in the midst of our children as they go down. This isn't junior church. This is just simply church with little people involved. God, and I thank you that we're doing our best. I thank you for our teachers that are training and equipping the church of today. These are church of today, people, not church of the future. They're being trained right now, management and training, God. And I thank you, God, for raising these young people up, God, in the way that they should go. So in the end, they will not depart from it, God. So I just speak blessing over them right now. God, I just pray that as they're down there, that you're preparing their hearts as they return to come back up and enter into corporate worship with the adults, God. So we just speak blessing over them right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Now let's give our kids a hand clap as they go downstairs. trying to be mindful of the time today, courteous of your time at the same time, allow the Holy Spirit to be Holy Spirit in this place. Amen? And I'm excited because part of the reason I'm excited about today and what's going to happen is you're going to hear from some other people besides me, right? Now, I really wanted to do this a little more spontaneous, like without telling them ahead of time. That's just kind of who I am and what I like. But I also recognize that some people don't do so well in that moment when they get a microphone shoved in their face and they're like, Ugh, I wish you would have told me ahead of time. So I've asked a few people to be ready. So we're going to have just more than me share this morning. But I want to talk about worship, and I want to talk about worship from a very specific place this morning. Because I know that when you think of worship, what do you think of? What are things that go right through your mind? This is a uh, interactive sermon so interactive means it's okay here at new life if you shout out something i typically don't throw anything back at you there was the one time that was an accident all right singing worship all right what else music what's that fellowship what are other things when you hear the word worship that you think of praise i was really hoping somebody said well worship's a lifestyle right Worship's a lifestyle, right? It's not just singing. It is singing. It is all the things that you mentioned, but it's a lifestyle. But today, the very thing that we're going to talk about isn't necessarily worship as a lifestyle, but we're going to talk about what worship looks like and why do we do it when we come here right now. What we're about to get ready to do here in 20 or 30 or so minutes, why do we do that? Have you ever even asked yourself that question? 
How many by show of hands have ever asked yourself, why do I do the things, why do I express myself in worship the way that I do corporately? Okay, again, I'm not talking about what you do in your car. That's cool, that's great. I've seen some of you. Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. I don't know always why I go falsetto there. But anyway, I've seen you in your cars worshiping. That's cool. But why do we do the things that we do here collectively when we're together? Why? So that's what we're talking about this morning, amen? We're not talking about... Um, Worship as a lifestyle, although this is part of it, right? It's just one little part of it. But there's only one way that we can really worship. So let's get some things out of the way this morning. Let's unpack some things to make sure that when these others come to share, that we're all on the same page, right? So there's only one way to worship. The Bible is very clear, right? That John 4, 21, right? So let's read it. I didn't give these scriptures. I don't know why I'm looking up there. I didn't even give these scriptures to these people. So when you're looking to the screen this morning, it is not their fault. Whether it's working, not working, it's not their fault. What, if you, it's working, he, he didn't have them, right? So everybody wave at Jason back there in the back, say, it's cool, bro. All right. So John 4, 21 through 24 says that Jesus replied, right? Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little, listen to this, isn't it? This sounds pretty harsh, by the way. Listen to him talk to this woman. You Samaritans know very little about the one that you worship, while we Jews know all about the salvation because salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Yes, indeed, it's even here now. When? Now. Not tomorrow, not later, but it's right now. When the true worshipers, the what kind of worshipers? The true worshipers, right? The true worshipers will worship the Father. How? I know you guys are smart because you've heard it a hundred times. In spirit and what? Truth. Indeed, it's here now when the true worshipers will, worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must... Worship him in spirit and truth. There's only one way to do it, right? In spirit and truth, right? This isn't about our emotions. This is about getting past our flesh and our carnality and understanding that there's only one way to worship him, and that's in the spirit. There's a saying I have written on my, uh, I've got a whiteboard right in front of my desk at work. It's, it's honking big. Am I allowed to use it? Honking big. It's four foot wide and it's three foot tall, easy. And I write a lot of stuff on there. Um, and I saw this the other day, but I never saw it in the context of worship because that's not why I wrote it. But I began to think of it in that context. And this is what I have written. The stronger the why, the stronger the why, the easier the how. Think about that for a minute. The stronger you're the why, the easier the how is. Like, so what does that, what would that even mean, right? Why do I do what I do in worship? Or why do I want to do some things in worship, but I don't seemingly sometimes can't get there? I look around the congregation and I see people that seem to me be worshiping in spirit and truth, but I don't know how to do that. Did you ever ask yourself why? When the why is stronger, the hows, 
the what we do becomes so much easier. So there are so many expressions in worship, and I feel like I've taught about this a hundred times. And I asked a few people, again, about would you share with us your experience, and I'm going to tell on one person, I won't name who. I reached out to this person, I was totally surprised about the conversation that came out of it, right? Because we always assume as Christians, or a large portion of us have assumed that when we are talking about worship that everybody is where we are at. Not that we're higher, lower, any of that, but we think that, hey, I know this much, well, you should know this much, or do you even think of it this way? Like, do we even entertain those thoughts and concepts? And I asked this person, if they would consider doing this, and we had to straighten out what we were really talking about. So that led me to what we just did. What are we really talking about today? We're talking about what we're about to do, corporate worship, right? With music involved and a worship team and expressions all over this place that can look differently. And yesterday we had worship practice and we probably had one of the best worship practices that we've ever had here, all things considered. And did you know that there was not one note played was not one note played on a guitar, not one note sung, but it was worship because it was us fellowshipping with one another and sharing our hearts about how God wants to take us as a worship team and wants to take us as a congregation to a deeper place. And he's been wooing us for months and months in this season. He's been talking about this season of wading into the water. And so many times I would see uh, dreams and visions and hear the Lord. And actually last week in worship, I could hear the sound of what sounded like rushing water. Like if you were standing on a mountainside and it had been pouring rain up in the mountains. And you've seen stories about this where the rain pours up in the mountains and the people are standing down in the valley. And then all of a sudden, it coming. They can't see it yet, but they can hear it. They know it's coming, but then it comes, right? And you can just hear it. It gets louder and louder. We begin to talk about yesterday the prophecy that's been spoken over this house long before I ever got here, that the worship would blow the roof off. And we've talked about this before of what this all means, but what does this element right now of what we're talking about corporate worship, what does that mean that God wants to literally using worship to blow the roof off of this place. What does that mean? You have to make it personal. You have to make your why question personal. Why, God, do I want to raise my hands? Why do I sing with everybody else when I'm here? Why do I do that? Did you ever ask yourself that question? Why? Now, let's be real. I've tried to dance here. I'm not the greatest dancer. Now, I would like to say in my defense that I have a guitar strapped on my back, right? And have you ever tried to be excited? Because I'm not excited about you guys. Don't get me wrong, I love you all. But I'm not jumping up and down for you guys. Is that okay to say? I hope I'm jumping up and down with you. Right, because we all have one common theme and one common accord, that we're here for the King of Kings and Jesus Christ and to lift his name high and alone and all by itself, that he might be magnified in this place. And so we, we, we jump up and down and my guitar is going cocoon, just jamming on my neck, right? And I don't care. Like, I just don't care. But the problem is I never used to want to even do that because I was 
this, had this mindset, what will they think? How many of you are willing right now to raise your hand? Have you ever asked yourself that question? <laughs> I have. Oh, what will they think? So we had this discussion yesterday at worship practice. And I can tell you, I have the answer. I have the answer to what that person that you think or those people are thinking about you when you feel like the Lord wants you to do something in the midst of the congregation to him. They're thinking the same thing that you're thinking. So what are we really thinking? Not really thinking anything. We're just worried about the one thing that we shouldn't be worried about. Why do I care what you think? And why should I? This sounds rude right now, and I apologize, but it's really not rude at all. It's not rude at all, because you're not here for me. You're not here for me this morning. You came, I hope, to get something from the Lord. Because if you came to get something from me or the worship team or somebody in this place, you're going to be disappointed. Not that God doesn't use us. He does. And that's the way he set, it up, set this thing up. But if you're not even willing to ask yourself why and will I, then you'll never go deeper when God calls you in this season to come deeper. I believe there's this story, I could have this wrong, I think it's in Ezekiel. If I'm wrong, somebody look at me and go, mm -hmm. ankle deep, right? I believe it's in Ezekiel. I think it's the 47th chapter. It talks about God wanting us, and we start out, and as he pulls us into the deep, he wants to get us ankle deep, right? And that's cool, right? That begins to get very refreshing. What do you do sometimes when you go to the swimming pool? Some of you, unless you're like me, what do you do? Who are you get in the pool and you go down the stairway? How many of you use the stairway at the pool? Quite a few, like, so here we go. We have a stairway and there's water right here, right? You stick your feet in there. You're like, ooh, it's a little chilly, but that feels good, right? That feels good. But then you're like, you know, like, you begin to think, well, if I step again, I'm gonna be that much deeper, right? So now I'm gonna, my feet are a little cold, so I'm gonna be cold up to here now. Have you done that? Why y'all looking at me like I've never done that? I have no idea what you're talking about, Jim. You're in the pool. When you get in the pool, like my wife gets in the pool this way. I don't get in the pool this way, guys. I'm the cowabunga guy. Hiya, right? My grandson. I just go for it, right? I would jump off the stage, but I got made fun of last time. Anyway, I just jump in. But however you're getting in, and God is bidding you. At some point, have you ever done this? whoa, I don't know if I'm ready, like, you're trying to wade and it's getting deeper as you go, and you're like, whoa, I don't know, you back up a little bit, I don't know if this body is ready for this, I don't know spiritually if I'm ready for this, but did you ever say, God, I don't know if I'm ready for this, but I want this, the other thing that we talked about in worship and how this comes back to apply is, listen, sometimes we try to disqualify ourselves in worship, I don't want to go deeper. I don't want to go farther because I'm not worthy. I'm a bad person. I did this last week. Tell me where in the Bible, when God is bidding you to come, that what is he doing? He's saying come. Did he say, oh, hey, only come if you've got it all together? Where does it say that in Scripture? Hey, buddy, you got it all together. Congratulations. You can come. No, 
he's constantly warning us because he wants to take care of us. And that thing that you think is disqualifying you in worship is only you holding yourself back from the king of kings who's saying, come deeper. I'll fix that thing when we get here. Let's go. Come on, I need to hear this this morning again. Just as a reminder, you need to hear this this morning is God is pushing on our church to not be the status quo. And I'm not speaking against the greater church and that we're something special. But all I know is we have to be responsible for what God is telling us to do here at New Life. That's our responsibility, right? He's calling us to something different. I'm not saying different as in better. Don't use that word as different as better. I'm just saying we have a responsibility to do what he's saying to do here. And that's to find the depths of worship. And you see, worship and all these things that we know about worship, the raising the hands, the jumping up and down, the crying. Hello? It's a form of worship. Crying is a form of worship. It's bearing your heart and your soul to the King of Kings. And things happen when you get into the presence of the Lord. Things happen. When we're crying, things happen when we lift our hands. And there's so much more happening that I don't even think that I truly know all of it. I think I would be a fool of it to say I know all that's happening when we enter into worship. And we're going to talk about here in just a minute as we begin to get some of these other people. We always think of Jesus in one direction. I'm pouring my heart out on you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I'm, I'm lifting my hands. I'm bowing down. I'm doing all these things. I'm dancing up and down. But did you ever think in that moment, what is God doing? Because if you're like me, I just want to be honest. Like, and I apologize if this upsets you, but I'm just real. Or I try to be. And if this is, the, if, if this is a... Uh, not some sort of uh, Hobby Lobby stool that we bought for whatever, $39.99 on sale. But this is the throne of heaven and Jesus is sitting upon it and we're worshiping. For so many years, even as a team worshiper and a worship leader, I thought this is what was happening. And I'm not gonna go too far. I'm gonna let some other people and explain and I'll come in behind them. But I always felt like God was up there sitting on his throne splendor and glory which he is because he is glorious and he's holy and he's righteous but I had some sort of like unrelational pompous aspect that I would view Jesus oh that's so nice look at Jim do what he does today that's quite nice I don't know why he turned British all of a sudden I don't know just forgive him luckily it wasn't Jamaican but anyway but right we get this idea of what's happening in worship and I just want to say that I think this is something, at least for me, that was just tradition of men and misguided because it's not founded in the word of God. And we're gonna prove that here in a little bit and we're, as we move on. But as you've heard just a little bit of these things and these thoughts and this encouragement this morning, I want you to continue to ask yourself, why? If our why is just simply because that's what everybody else does, it begins to paint a picture of where we're really out. Because all these outward expressions truly, really are, are a reflection of what's happening in our hearts. I want you to hear that again. If we're truly worshiping in spirit and truth, then the reflections of what we see of the outward expressions in worship are indicative of what's going on in our hearts. Where we're at in our relationship with the king, 
as he's constantly bidding us to come deeper. He doesn't stop. It doesn't matter whether you've been saved five minutes or 50 years. He never stops bidding you to come deeper. He's the San and what is that? Not the San Andreas Fault, the Mariana Trench. There it is. It's like one of the deepest parts of the ocean that are so hard to explore because it's so deep. The Bible declares that no man knows the height or the depths of the wits of just the love of God. One aspect, that's what the word says, of the love of God. Well, God is so many things, and how could we even possibly understand it? But one thing that I know God responds to is like, God, I want to go deeper. He responds, he says that those who hunger and thirst after me will do what? What? You'll be filled. So if we say that, he doesn't say, oh, that's cute. Good for you. Find your way. He doesn't do that. He's like, awesome. And he rushes us in and he comes and gets in. Let's, like, let's wade deeper and deeper. It doesn't matter. Again, five minutes saved, 50 years saved. There's always deeper. There's always more. But are we ready as a church for the more? And the first thing that a man wants to do is, well, how do we get there? Who cares how we get there? Why do we want to get there? Because that why will produce the how. When we're in love with Jesus and he says, man, I want you to dance. And we say, but God, ooh, you must be talking to my neighbor or something. You must be talking to Troy because I know you ain't talking about me to ask me to dance in front of all these. Have you ever seen this weird clunky thing? I don't care. I love you, and I want you to do this. I'm going to stop there on purpose. I'm going to do this thing that I said I was going to do. I was going to make this message interactive, and I've asked a few people the very question that I asked all of you this morning, and I asked them to reply to it. So one person I asked initially first was my own wife. Um, because I have the great privilege of not only seeing her, how she worships here, but I get a sneak peek sometimes at home in her own quiet time from when I'm home and around. And, and it's always marvelous. And she was one of those people that I knew if I just said, hey, Stacy, without letting her know she had to do it, she probably would have taken the microphone and belted me over the head with it like, you know I ain't doing that. So anyway, I want her to come up. I want her to share what God's put on her heart. And we'll see if some more questions come out of that some more. So let's give her a hand as she comes up. Amen. I do. I like a little bit of time more than, can you come on up and tell us about this? Apostle Tibbs used to do that. I always stand there and be like, oh, Holy Spirit, help. <laughs> he asked me, why do I worship like I do? Um... There's a few things, and he said, keep it to five minutes. I said, okay. So I just, I just have a few points. Um, it's because I adore him. I adore him as to why I worship him the way that I do. And it's because of what he's done for me. And I can't even begin to tell you the things that he's done for me. But I'm so thankful for what he's done for me from shedding his blood and taking all of my sins all the way down to where I stand today 
what he's done for me, what he's done for my family. But he's been speaking to me for the last few weeks. Actually, Dawn taught on worship a few weeks ago, and we were speaking. Um, and Angie was saying something, and I'm guessing some of what she said there will come forth today, possibly. Um, but he's been telling me, do you know, in the Old Testament, it's in Samuel, when David was king, the old the uh, Ark of the Covenant had been taken. The Philistines had it. Um, and it was, at one point, it had been gone for a while, and David was able to bring it back. And while they were, the priests were carrying it and they were bringing it back, David was dancing. And his wife saw him out the window and saw how he was dancing. He didn't have his priestly garments on, his kingly garments on. And he said, I will become even more undignified than this. He's been telling me, I want you to become even more undignified in your worship than what you have been. I'm like, whoa, that still scared me. So I'm not, I, I had never been really a flag person. And over a year ago, I made a, a silk, I made a flag. And I have it here with me and I always bring it in. And I'm usually in my seat with it. He said, I want you to get a new set of flags. And this new set of flags, he said, um, you're not going to be able to stay in your seat with this pair of flags. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you're not going to be able to do them back there in the end sides. You're going to have to come up here and do it because of how they're made. I said, um, I don't think I like that very well. <laughs> um, but... It's part of the becoming un, more undignified in my worship. I need to do it. Because not only is it what he's asked of me to do, but it is my heart's cry for him to, to do that. Um, to lay my crown before his feet, because in his presence, he's the only one that can be wearing a crown. His love for us runs so deep. But I want him to know how deep my love runs for him. In eternity, we will be worshipers and lovers. So what do you think we are to be here on earth? Worshipers and lovers. If we can't do it here, what makes us think we're going to want to do it up there? You say, well, I'll wait till I get up there. Let's start doing it here. I just want to read these two scriptures. Um, and I had just put, this is why our love and our worship, this is what our love and our worship does for him. And it's Song of Songs 2.14. Let, this is the bridegroom talking to his bride. Let me see your radiant face and hear your radiant voice. So he is saying that to us. How beautiful are your eyes of worship and how lovely your voice in prayer. When our eyes lock together, the love I see in his eyes, the love that he sees in my eyes. 
and songs of songs, 4-9. For you reach into my heart, again, this is him speaking to us. For you reach into my heart with one flash of your eyes. I am undone by your, by your love, my beloved, my bride. You leave me breathless. I am overcome by a glance of your worshiping eyes. For you have stolen my heart. I am held hostage by your love and by the grace and righteousness shining upon you. He is ravished by our love for him. That's why I worship the way that I do. Amen. Praise God. I love that because she had kind of shared with me what she was going to share, of course. And, uh, I, I love the fact that in what she shared, we see what Jesus is doing when we worship in it. It wasn't anything like I had pictured sitting on that gnarly Hobby Lobby stool on a British accent. Yes, that may be a part of it, but his eyes adore us and his eyes are upon us in worship and he's active and he's moving. And I don't want to give too much uh, more away because I, I want to share just a little something here in a minute. And But it's so amazing, right? Like, and like, I just want to be, continue to be brutally real, like this flag, like I've seen lots of people in my years at church have these and doing a variety of things with them and I, I'm not going to attempt to do them necessarily, but you know, you've seen them move and, and I think there's a purpose behind their movements and times and purpose behind the way uh, that the gesture of the flag is riding in on the breath of God and and just if these if these terms and stuff are as strange to you like it just speaks of like oh man what does that mean Pastor Jim well I don't know but I want to I see the flag moving and I know that when the flag stays up that you see what happens it just goes back down but I've also seen people moving the flag and man it seems to stay up there for eternity and I say, I'm telling you, like, it's riding on the very breath of God in worship as he breathes over us, as he breathes over his people. And my heart sometimes gets scared, like with uh, Pastor Stacy and God asking her to get a new set of flags that will require a new level of deepness and a new place of expression in front of the people, possibly. But men of God, what would if he asked you to grab one of these? Men of God. What would it look like if he asked you to grab hold of this thing that I'm holding right now and come up here? Because let's be honest, we all have, that's a feminine thing a bit. Can I be real? Right? But you thought it. We've thought it, right, man? Come on. Let's be real. Come on. I know I'm not alone on this. You can, you can sit there and not want to say anything all you want, but you're telling on yourself right now by your face. It's okay. Like, I don't mean it in any way. But I'm just saying, men of God, if he asks you to do it, that there's a great reason behind it. And it probably goes farther beyond than just what he's asking to do of you in that moment and what he's working in and through you and your relationship with anything. Because it's all that worship is. It's all that worship is, is relationship with Abba. 
It's all it is. And every expression is birthed out of that relationship with him. Everything we do, every motion that we make, every song, every note we sing is born out of a relationship with him. The deeper the relationship that we have with the King of Kings, the deeper our worship and the more expressive our worship is to the point where we don't care what it looks like to anybody else in the room because we're not there for him to begin with. So I wanted to get outside of myself another male perspective. And so I asked Brother Byron, and I be open and honest, he was the one that I was speaking of that we began to have a interesting conversation over a text message that I, I really enjoyed and I always enjoy his honesty and I always enjoy how he challenges me. Um, but we had to get to the root of what I was talking about because if you know this man, that's just who he is. He wants to make sure that we're talking about the same thing and he has the understanding of what I'm asking of him, right? And so we worked through all that <laughs> and got to the root. But he did say one thing, and I hope that he doesn't mind me saying this about him. But I love the honesty because if we're truthful, we've probably all been here. I, when I asked him, like, why? I've seen you, I think is what I said. I've seen you raise your hands. I think I've seen you dance a little bit. That led to a different discussion. We'll, we'll leave that one between us. And I said, I've seen you do some other things. But I asked, why did you do that in a corporate setting? And he, he didn't answer like for a minute. And, I, and then he's like, I never thought of it. He never thought of the question, why? So then I just like, I laid some more stuff out, and I was like, this is what I'm talking about. Why do you do it? And so now I'm just going to let him share his heart for a minute. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> yeah, my, my brother does catch you off guard a little bit. So that question, why, because it, like you said, we went down a long journey. You know, I want to be really be sure that I don't share the wrong thing, because I can take it, down a, take it down my own journey if I wanted to. But the why is the... It's the inward expression that, you know, what has happened on the inside of you that causes an outward expression is what I really want to say. And um, one of the verses that came to mind um, when I'm talking about is I'm going to go there real quick. Thank God for technology, right? Um, it's going to be Psalms 150, starting at the first verse. It says, praise, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. I'm going to stop there. Because when we think about it, traditionally, we always think about praise God in his sanctuary. We're talking about the building, and which is true. But it says, praise God in the sanctuary. Praise him in the heavens of his power. But I want to go back to that word sanctuary. Then I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. And the... Uh, 19th verse. Nope. Yes. I'm reading from the Amplified. It says, do, not, do you not know that your body is the temple, the very sanctuary of God, of the Holy Spirit, who lives within you, whom you have received as a gift from God? You are not your own. Let me read that again. Do you not know that your body is the temple. Now go back to that 150. Praise God in the sanctuary. Let me read that again. 
that your body is the temple, the very sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who lives within you. You know, you know we know we, uh, a lot of times we think about the Holy Spirit as, and I don't wanna step on anybody's toes, okay? But we think about the Holy Spirit as this wind that comes through, pops in, pops out, pops in, pops out, and then we get this emotional movement and what have you. But that's not all of what it's about. It's about what's on the inside of us. The Holy Spirit, and you know, just this year or recently, I really started thinking about the Holy Spirit is always viewing the world through you. Even when you're doing wrong. Now think about it. Whatever you did yesterday that wasn't right, the Holy Spirit is right there viewing as you did the wrong. Now, for me, that's deep because, you know, I miss it. If I say something, if I'm driving and I respond improperly on 33 heading east. <laughs> oh, oh, did I? So when I pulled up to this stop sign, but I really didn't stop, and then I pulled out, and then he pulled me over. Oh, I'm telling on myself now. And then, the, you know, the Holy Spirit is right there. But on a deep inside, you really wanted to share some love with that individual, but you keep your mouth shut because your wife is right there as well. Oh, I'm telling on myself, but that's what I'm talking about is when we're in the sanctuary, and then there's another thought that came to my mind is that there's a Psalms, let me go there, okay, Psalms 37, 37, it says, mark the perfect man, behold the upright, where the end of that man is peace. Mark the perfect man. See, the, the other side of, of the sanctuary experience, corporate worship, is we get to know one another. And the whole goal of our journey is becoming a marked man or woman. Mark the perfect man. The word perfect in that scripture, it says, mark the mature person. So we want to become a mature because the whole, our whole goal, or should be, is to lead others, is to help others. And then there's other scriptures that talks about we're singing, when we're singing, we're singing to one another as well. So it's, it's a lot of things happen in this corporate setting, is that, and I, something happened recently, actually, this week, a few, couple days ago, one of my best friend's son, um, had passed away, he had committed suicide. And one of the first persons that was called, besides, he comes from a family of, my friend comes from a family of uh, eight children. And uh, I was fortunate to be one of the ones that was called. You know, and I'm on social media. And uh, when I was visiting the family, I went there the day of, the call, and then I went back a couple days later, we're just talking, what have you. And one of his sons says, the only reason why I'm so on social media is because of my aunt, grand, my, my granny, and because of Uncle Byron. Now, I'm not his uncle, because our shade is a little bit different. Okay, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but in his mind, that because I've been in their life for 37 years, that I'm just Uncle Byron. He says, the only reason I'm on social media just because sometimes you post something that for that particular day, I need it. 
You know, and so the, the corporate setting, this what we have here, allows this opportunity of getting to know one another because you don't know what, you're, what the neighbor is going through. So that time that you're praising God might be an inspiration for them to, I can go another day. I can make another moment because X, Y, Z just happened last night. And that's, that's the other side. So, and I, I, want, I want to go ahead there. Some, sometimes I don't dance because it ain't on my beat. I got to have a certain beat. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just saying, if you're going to do a little rock, that's headbanging. I can't step, you know, to headbanging, you know. But anyways, that's another story. Um, but so just praise God in the way that you desire, but just let him flow through you. Let's give him a hand. By the way, how many of you knew Byron was on social media? Yeah, everybody. I, I joke about that a lot in my sermons. I'm, in social media, I, I'm mostly an onlooker. I don't post a ton of stuff, either if it's about a taco truck that looks like an ice cream thing recently or something. But anyway, my one goal in life one day when I got on social media was I, my desire right now is I want to be able to like somebody's post before Byron does or Pastor Damien. How we doing, brother? Give me one second, all right? Give me one second. And uh, that was my goal that morning on uh, social media, was I wanted to uh, be the first one to like somebody's post that he hadn't already liked and that Damien hadn't already liked, right? Uh, I actually found one the other day, but it was somebody and it was something really silly. Right, and but I did beat you, and I felt like I had accomplished something anyway. Uh, but isn't that an interesting aspect that what co corporate worship can do collectively? As maybe we come into the room and maybe we're having a day and we're just struggling with something, but as I look upon you guys and you're worshiping, it breathes life inside of me to say, Hey, I can go another day, or Hey, I can clap right now. It's hard, but I can clap right now. I can at least do that this morning and bring that offering, that sacrificial offering this morning. I've got one more person I want to bring up, uh, and then I'll wrap it up, and then we'll enter into worship. But in the transparency of being real, have you ever sat at a church? Now, not, I'm sure not this one, right? Because not this one. But have you ever sat in a church, right, and seen somebody just so, hmm, passionate in their worship and it's just but because you're not it looks annoying I'm telling on myself <laughs> I've been there like who do you think you are what are you doing <laughs> oh there he goes again there she goes again that kind of mentality when we really have no idea for the most part, we really have no idea what's going on in that person or why they're doing what they're doing the majority of the time. I'm not saying there aren't times. But listen, I asked Angie this question, and I knew because she's a teacher, another one that I really, she would prefer a heads up. So I didn't catch her off guard, and I wanted to think about her. But before I let her come up, like, I don't know if Brother Byron was at worship practice tomorrow, or yesterday, sorry, tomorrow. Yesterday. I think you were, man, because the stuff that you just shared, we talked about 
in our circle and we talked about confirmation and God just always saying yes somehow, right? Using somebody to say yes to that or whatever. And so he didn't even know it, but he's affirming some of the things that he, that we had talked about in that circle. But, but I want Angie to come up and just answer the same question for herself about why she worships the way she does. Okay. I don't know. Uh, so I was sitting there and listening to Stacy and listening to Byron. And to be honest, it didn't matter if Pastor Jim gave me a day or a minute to figure out why I worship the way that I worship, because the answer is the same. And it's true. I worship because of what he's done for me. And it's true, I worship because I carry the Holy Spirit and I am the tabernacle. And I can do that at home, I can do that in my car, I can do that in my shower. But I think ultimately what I had to ask myself is why do I worship in the corporate body the way that I do? And it's because of who he is. It doesn't matter if he does another thing for me the rest of my life. It doesn't matter if I live another minute, another week, another year. I worship him because of who he is. See, he's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's the redeemer. He's the morning star. He's my everything. And when I lay on my bed and I wonder who I am, I know who I am because of who he is. When I look back upon my life and I think of the trials in which I've been through, I see him, I see his footprint, I feel his breath. I know who he is. I know that I know that I know who my God is. And because I know who he is, I must worship him. I must. There is no choice. There is no democracy. I must. I've always said, to even just in my private time and to a few of my inner circle, man, God, why you make me do the things you make me do? I, 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 I don't want to be exuberant. I don't want to be passionate. And when I say I, I mean my flesh. I mean my physical nature, you know, because I too am by flesh and nature an introvert. I know, it's surprising, but I am. I got to stay home yesterday all by myself, and I was very happy. No people not even the ones I love, just me and my blankie and my TV. And that was a fleshly moment, but I needed rest, I needed to relax, I'm a teacher and they're draining. <laughs> so anyways, the whole point of it is, is I say, God, why do you make me do the things you make me do? Like, you know, over the years I've had people say, you're gonna have to tone that down a bit. 
Well, you're gonna have to talk to the Holy Spirit about that. Because I have absolutely zero control over how I worship. Because what I do is I say, Jesus, take the wheel. That's what I do. I abandon myself. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm fleshly, I'm human. Y'all are distracting. Sorry, jar. The worship team, you're a little distracting. And all because you're human and not perfect. So I have to shut down that carnal mind. I gotta shut those thoughts off. I gotta take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I have to speak the word over myself and I have to say, I have the mind of Christ. I bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I must worship my God. Now, a small testimony is that my whole life since the age of eight, Satan, the deceiver, has attacked me during worship. Since eight, I went to a Christian school. We had worship every morning. And I remember at eight years old, in the middle of worship, having a lustful thought. I was eight, going to a private school, learning about Jesus. And I hear a lustful thought in my head in the middle of worship. I had no idea what it was. And it continued from the time that I was eight until I was nearly 28. For 20 years, I battled those lustful thoughts in my mind during worship. Why? Because the enemy comes to kill, he comes to steal, and he comes to destroy. And my identity is I'm a worshiper. I'm a worshiper. We were all created in his image. We were all created to worship. Why does the enemy come against you during worship? To steal who you are. To kill who you are. To destroy who you are. I've been walking this fight for 40 years. And I'm telling you, there's power in the word of God. And during worship, I will oftentimes say to myself, I bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And I speak those scriptures over and over and over until that liar shuts his mouth. I have to war for my worship. I have to war for my worship because otherwise it will not happen because I'm a woman who's got a lot of thoughts. I got a lot of things going on in my head. I got a lot of people around me. I'm human. And so I must bring every thought captive. I must war for my worship because of who he is. Because of who he is. He deserves it all. Even if I have nothing, he deserves it all. I have had times of nothing. And even when I had nothing, he still deserved it all. Even when I wanted to take my life at 13 years old, he still deserved it all. Even when my parents 
forsook me, he still deserved it all. Even when my family backstabbed me, talked about me, even when I wanted to give in to those spirits of addiction, he still deserved it all. You must war for your worship. So, the scripture that I'm going to choose to read out of all the ones, David was phenomenal in sharing with us his worship. And in Psalm 149, it says, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. It's time to sing to God a brand new song. So I have to stop right there, and I had to I'll share with you a transparent moment that I shared with the worship team yesterday. Sometimes I don't like the songs they sing. I don't. I don't like how it sounds. I don't like the words of it. I don't like the way they do it. Sometimes they take my favorite song and they change it all up, and it just grinds my gears. But... The Holy Spirit's been correcting me, and he's been saying, daughter, or sometimes he says, Angela Christine, listen here, because that's how I listen, you know? Like, he talks to us all in the way that we listen, and some of us who are a little extra hard-headed need first and middle name. That's me. So he's like, you're going to worship because you're a worshiper. You may not like the song that they're singing. You may not like the way that they're doing it, but you need to sing your own song. And so they might be singing, Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life, or they might be singing, I know, day and night, night and day, day and night, night and day, day and night, night and day, be in that same drum. And I know that there are people that need to do that. But me, I'm like, okay, God, I gotta have my own words here. And so I might be singing, instead of day and night, night and day, I love you, Lord. You are God. I worship you. I praise your name. Blessed be the Lord. I change it. Because we're called, we're called to sing a brand new song. Okay, so Psalms 149 Hallelujah, praise the Lord. It's time to sing to God a brand new song so that all his holy people will hear how wonderful he is. That's what Byron was talking about. We all have to hear how wonderful he is. So we sing for each other and for him. May Israel be enthused with joy because of him and may the sons of Zion pour out their joyful praises to their king. Break forth with dancing, women. Oh, it just says break forth with dancing. So I guess that's men too. Make music and sing God's praises with the rhythm of drums. So those of us who get annoyed at the drums, sorry, it's in the word. <laughs> Gotta have the drums. For he enjoys his faithful lovers. Stacy talked about loving. He adorns the humble with his beauty and he loves to give them victory. His godly lovers, that's us, triumph in the glory of God and their joyful praises will rise even while others sleep. Here we go, listen. God's high and holy praises fill their mouths for their shouted praises are their weapons of war. 
These warring weapons will bring vengeance on the nations and every resistant power to bind kings with chains and rulers with iron shackles. Praise-filled warriors will enforce the judgment decreed against their enemies. This is the honor he gives to all of his godly lovers. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Whew. I am a little offended that she doesn't like all the songs we do. I need to meet with you after church. No, I'm kidding. It's fine, like, but I love the honesty. Like, I've been there myself and uh, in other uh, worship settings where I wasn't digging the worship, right? And I had trouble getting into it. And just like Angie, like, the Lord had to talk to me personally. Like, this isn't even about them. <laughs> you made it about them. You made it about the song. But you'll say out of your lips that this is about me, but your heart isn't even in the right place in that moment. That's what she was saying. Your heart's in the wrong place. Our fixation shouldn't be on the song and the worship team. And I'm not saying that stuff can't really be a super hindrance at times. It can be. It can be a real hindrance. But, so apparently I've been a party to the hindrance. <laughs> and I've been hindered. All right, I'm human. I can take that. But today... Uh, let's just stand up here. We're going we're gonna to wrap this up. If somebody go get the kids, if the worship team would come and get ready. I, wanna, I just want to share this closing scripture as we get ready. I know to the odd part of heading into worship, usually some of you are like, oh, yeah, it's time to go get something to eat. Not so fast. Not so fast. How about we praise the Lord this morning before we go home, right? And, and how many have you been encouraged uh, by the ones that shared this morning, amen? Were, were they a such a blessing? I want to read something to you as we get ready to head to worship. And listen, I know there's going to be stuff happening, but if you can just concentrate on me just for a minute and listen to what I'm saying more than anything, right? So the Bible talks about in Zephaniah 3.17, and I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. For some of you that may have had a hard time wrapping your mind about maybe what all God does sometimes and maybe what he does in worship. I want to read this to you and then expound briefly, very quickly, and then we're gonna move into worship. So this is Zephaniah again, 317. It says, for the Lord your God is living among you. Hmm, I think we just heard that. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior. Now listen to this. Like, and think about what I said about the chair and how I viewed worship and how God would receive my worship and what was all going on. He will take delight in you with gladness. So he's taking delight in this moment, right? So he's receiving this thing. With his love, he will calm all your fears. And this is the part, this last line of the scripture. If you don't get anything, get this in your spirit today. It says he will rejoice over you. He will rejoice over you with a song or song, joyful songs. But I want you to hear this with this. What does this word rejoice mean? 
There is a primitive word, and I'm not going to expound on it. I'm just going to need you to trust me. If you want to be like the Bereans and get to the strongest concordance, I encourage you to do that this morning and look up the primitive root word for the word rejoice this morning. Because this is what it means at its very root. It means to properly spin around under the influence of any violent emotion. 